0: Lexus LF430. The Toyota MR2 Sports Car. Everything
1: keeps
2: going right.
0: Toyota. Lexus, the result of our relentless pursuit of perfection. Oh, what a feeling. Toyota. Toyota. Let's go places.
1: and welcome to Toyota Untold. This is Tyler.
3: And this is Kelsey.
1: So we're going to get real with you. Everybody loves driving their cars, but a lot of us get anxious when we think about having to buy one, myself included. Like before I bought my first car, I had a car that was a gift from my grandparents and it just caught fire on the side of the road. It was just totaled there. So my husband and I, we had to go buy our first car together. We were super excited. And when we walked on the lot, I realized I knew nothing about buying cars. I didn't know what I should show up with. I just knew that I didn't have a car and I needed a car. And the dealership we went to, we only went there because it was open on a Sunday.
3: Yeah. So my first time buying a car at a dealership, I actually had a car that I owed money on and knew for a fact that it was not worth the amount that I needed to pay it off. So I went in with the mentality that I'm not leaving here until one, I get a new car. And two, they take this car. And three, they pay off what I owe so that I, I walk away clean. I had my sights set on a certain price. I had a car that I wanted. It was a pre-owned Honda Accord with all the fixings. Um, I stayed there all day. I negotiated back and forth You know, I saw the manager, I saw the dealer, etc. I think I literally saw everyone that worked there. And I'm pretty sure that just to get rid of me, they were like, whatever, we will take this car, we will pay what you owe. Just please take this new car and leave. And it was really a win for me. But I did end up having a bigger payment that I wasn't really confident in. And I'm not really sure if either of us won at the end of the day.
1: So we found some people from Toyota Financial Services who really know the car buying experience inside and out to coach us for our next trip to the dealership. Tracy Kaiser, National Account Senior Consultant, Sales Operations and Planning, and Susan Gutierrez, Manager, Marketing Incentives and Recognition. We shared those car buying horror stories with them and they came back with some great tips.
4: I think that one of the cool things about Both of your guys' situations is is that they're perfectly okay and they happen every day. I think there's a couple of ways you can go to approaching buying a car. You can be super informed. You can have a plan. You can know what your credit score is. You could have all the facts, details on exactly what you want. Or you can be in both of your guys' situations, either stuck on the side of the road or upside down, (laughs) up to your eyeballs on a vehicle and walk into a dealership and walk out that same day with a car that you love.
3: Yeah. And I think it, this is a really important conversation to have because as more young people want to buy vehicles, it is really intimidating. I mean, I like I said, I was 23 and I was just walking in blind with some blind confidence, obviously, but walking in blind, not knowing, knowing kind of what I wanted, but not really how to get it. And I think it can be really a really intimidating process. I mean, it's a big purchase. So I'm interested to see your guys' perspective on some like best practices, best tips for people as they go to buy a car. And you mentioned some things you can know before you go, like neither Tyler nor I did. So what research should be done? As you learned, things are negotiable. But really what you want to do when you're coming into a dealership,
2: if you know that you're going to be needing a car, you should already be doing your research. And you probably have an idea of what model, what color, what things that you like to have in the car. But the key experience for people when they get frustrated by the dealer experience typically happens when you're talking about the numbers and the financing. Mm -hmm. So you can equip yourself with knowing that stuff before you go in. And it's really going to be key to having a positive dealer experience. Dealerships have evolved over, especially over the last six months, we've seen our dealers grow their online business significantly. And that kind of levels the playing field because people have access to information that maybe wasn't as widely publicized before. So I think, Tracy, you were going to mention some specifics.
4: So very similar to what Susan said, be educated, not just on the vehicle that you want. Uh, We have great resources like toyota.com or even really specifically buyatoyota.com where you can Mm -hmm. go look up individual uh, incentives and do pricing calculators and all kinds of great things like that. But I think it's also very important to be educated in terms of what you want your payment to be, what you want your budget to be, really, right? At the end of the day, most of us, I think, get caught in the number looking at a car. But Mm -hmm. ultimately, we all are looking at, you know, what can I afford monthly? For most of us, right, there are true cash buyers. So I think, like, having an understanding of what your budget is, what your monthly budget is, and then also I think just having a good understanding of where you stand credit wise, and we might get into this in a little a little bit later. But there's you see a lot of great offers, and and some of those mm-hmm. may apply to you, but like it may not apply to you if you don't have great credit.
2: So you can go online ahead of time, even to Toyota.com, and get pre-qualified for the vehicle that you're looking for, so that you know what your credit limits are going to be. Are you going to be able to get a fifty thousand forerunner or are you going to be driving a Corolla, you know, where do you fall in that range?
4: And and one thing I I forgot to mention too, Kelsey, as you were talking about your car with negative equity, there's great online Mm -hmm. resources like kbb.com, AutoTrader, things like that, where you can go in and put in your vehicle's age, mileage, yeah. loosely what you think your condition is, right? We're not mm-hmm. the dealer's going to appraise it, put their own value on it, but that'll give you an idea. So when you go in and you think, oh, yeah. yep. "Hey, this is a five thousand dollar car," and the dealer tells you it's worth five bucks, uh, okay, like you'll you have something to base that off of.
2: Yeah, the obvious things like you know dents and dings and damage right. to that, but tire wear—that's a big one. You know that old test of time, you stick the penny in the tread and where does the tread come up on Abraham Lincoln's face tells you how much tire depth is there. And tires are expensive. Yeah. Yeah. So you can take a penny and put it inside the treads of your tire. And then as how far it comes up on good old Abe Lincoln's face tells you how deep that tread is. Obviously the more tread you have, the better condition your tires are. But Mm. if you've got a car that needs Four new tires, that's a thousand bucks right off the value of the vehicle because tires are expensive these days. You know, how does your interior look? Are you missing equipment? Is there dents and dings? Are there wheel covers that are missing? You know, how did you treat that car? But then, really, primarily, what are the miles on your vehicle? You know, Mm -hmm. mileage equals wear and tear. So, high miles is going to take away from the value of the vehicle. And
4: and another factor, too, is market demand. You know, it's SUVs have taken off right now over the last three, four years. So if you're coming in and you're looking at your Corolla and you're in a market that's a big truck market and you know you're there's a forerunner market, well the dealer may look at your car and say, hey look on on national average from KBB on your research, yeah sure your car was worth five grand, but to me it's worth twenty five hundred dollars because in my market I can't sell that car. So I think there's a right. lot of factors that go into it, appraising a vehicle. So I think being educated, but also I think being flexible and reasonable is is something that you need to, a mindset you need to take into it.
3: I think a lot of average consumers don't know that though, because I think the average consumer doesn't know what is super popular right now. Like if they want an SUV, they don't necessarily assume it's because everyone else wants an SUV, right? So if they're going in and trying to resell their their SUV and or their car and it's an SUV market, like I don't think a lot of people know like, what's hot in the market right now When because they're only thinking about themselves. What do I want, you know? And so I think that maybe like some transparency about that would be helpful. Like just saying SUVs are very popular right now. Let's just say it
2: <laughs> across the board. Yeah, oh, SUVs okay. in the truck market are huge right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. You know, and if you think about too, back in the day around, I don't know, the mid 2000s when gas prices started to really drop, that's when SUVs started to really creep up because- Gas was previously very expensive and an SUV typically has a lesser gas mileage. So once those gas prices started decreasing, you saw the increase in demand for vehicles that had not as great gas mileage.
3: And SUVs have really evolved anyway, because like you used to, if you were going to get an SUV, you were getting something like really kind of rugged, like a forerunner vibe. But now you can get something that's like a car-based SUV and still have the luxury of a car with the higher platform of an suv so the options are really expanding into absolutely some more luxury space
2: especially with the hybrid market that you're seeing in the suv now rav4 hybrid highlander hybrid those are Mm -hmm.
3: extremely popular vehicles yeah Yeah. absolutely so if you're in the market for one of those do your research
4: but that last word's the key right i mean kind of pivoting on and putting the the, the idea of a used car or your trade-in and in your plan walking in a dealership be informed be educated, whether it's yeah. on the on the purchasing end, have an idea and a game plan of whether you want to buy a new car, a used car, or certified pre-owned. And if you have a trade-in, have an idea of what do you owe on that vehicle? What's the condition of it? Pop your VIN number into one of these online resources, get an idea, but understand this. It's just an idea. It's a starting point, but you're walking in with at least some level of education and research before you go talk to the dealer.
2: And then you've got the option with that trade-in vehicle. You can sell it to the dealer and have them take it in as a trade-in, which is a very easy, simple process, or you can keep it and sell it yourself, which is a little bit tougher, but you'll probably get a higher dollar amount. So you have to kind of weigh those restrictions with that too
1: that tire trick. I didn't know that, but I'm definitely going to do that before I bring my husband's Ford to the dealership to trade it in. But that's not the only little trick that Tracy and Susan have to save you money in the long run.
4: Yeah, I think that that's a, that's a great question, actually. And my answer is that it's always a great time of year to buy a car. But a couple of <laughs> key tips and tricks there, right? I mean, hey, I work for a sales company at the end of the day, but right. it's so it's always great. But a couple of tips and tricks are... You know, right now it's November, and so we're entering the end of the year. And there's always a mad dash by all of the manufacturers, Toyota, Lexus, our competitors, at the very end of the year to sell cars for a couple of reasons. You want to hit your year end goals, but also people are buying them too. So you're going to see a very aggressive set of incentives, uh, advertising around the end of the year. You'll also see uh, a lot of advertising around your major holidays, especially during the summer months where people are out spending money and doing you know, more active. So those summer months are always key. November, December are always huge months. But then I'll also say that as you get into the late summer, August, September, October, that's when we have something called model year changeover. So mm-hmm. we sit in calendar year 2020 right now. But late summer, we start rolling out the 2021 model years. And as dealers start to get down on inventory of that current model year, that 2020, they are, one, the incentives are heavier and there's there's good reason for consumers as well as uh, there's certain incentives at times for dealers to sell that car. But also they're trying to get out of that inventory because they want to make way for that brand Mm -hmm. new 2021 that's coming. And a lot of times there's not a whole heck of a lot of difference between one year to the next, but dealers are trying to get out of that last year's inventory so as you get into august september october there are some good opportunities to make a deal with a dealer
3: so on the deal situation though you know like you said all the automakers are having a mad dash at the end of the year you know they have the the sales events basically so are those incentives really worthwhile or is it similar to what's during the year but they're just marketing it more
4: Oh, gosh, that's a tough one. Uh, I would say that there's a mix and the, there's a little bit of an ebb and flow. I, I think that one of the things here at Toyota, and I actually used to work in the incentives group that it became, the groups worked very hard on was to make sure that there was a consistent message in the marketplace. So I would say that there's always a, a competitive offer within the marketplace. I think that mm-hmm. when you get into the sales event months or November and December, you might see them, you know, like the little cherry on top. Yeah. You may see the 0% for 60 months financing.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: And that may be something that's consistent or has come on and off throughout the course of the year as seasonality takes place. But then now in November, December, you might see that zero for 60 with $500, like APR cash is a better example mm-hmm. to pair with that. Like you might see that cherry on top, but I th- yeah. think that we've worked really hard to make sure that the incentives, there will be some fluctuation, but to make sure that there's always a competitive offer in the market.
2: So pretty much everything that comes down to any of these questions we're going to talk about today is research and risk tolerance. You're buying a brand new vehicle and, you know, you're going to keep that vehicle. You want to keep it for 10 years. There's probably a good reason to buy an extended warranty. Or maybe if you're leasing the vehicle and you know you're only going to have it for 36 months and it's going to be under the factory warranty the whole time, that might not be the best way to spend your funds. But there are certain components that may no longer be covered while you still have the vehicle. So again, it just takes you to really figure out how long am I gonna hold this vehicle? Am I going to, you know, drive it a million miles and really beat it up? Or is this vehicle gonna be my second car that doesn't get very high mileage and is gonna be covered by warranty the whole time I have it? There's great reasons to have an extended warranty. I think your example is a perfect reason why. So that that's really a question that everybody has to answer for themselves individually. But, you know, we have great products out there. so. I would highly recommend that we all buy extended
3: warranties. Well, i it's just hard. I think when you're just from being in, in the dealership, you know, where they're running the numbers for you and stuff, and you've already, it's already a big purchase, right? And then they, and then they hand you a paper with all this stuff you can do at the end, the extended warranty being one of them. And it just keeps adding numbers and adding numbers and i remember 24 year old whatever however i will, was me i was like no none of it none of it cuz i'm just like you know it's it's a lot of things that it's like when is this ever going to be a big deal well i'll tell you a month later in my car i was driving down a road and there was construction and apparently there was like a very large nail or something that i ran over with my front tire and it flew back to the second one and popped both of them. And obviously I had no coverage for said tires. So perfect example of maybe you should think about it.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Tires are expensive. I said that earlier, right? Yes. And then taking out two at once means now your vehicle has to be towed somewhere because you only have one there. She did. So a tire wheel product would have covered you on that, but yeah. And key
3: replacement. Have you ever replaced the key on your vehicle with the oh, smart fobs now? Yes. I had to do that. That's expensive. And cool. I will say from from looking at the the key uh, replacement, it, it's it's a deal. You want to do it because if you have to replace your fob like more than once, it's thousands of dollars yeah. or something like that. It depends yeah. on what car you have, but it can be really expensive. <laughs>
4: Yeah. yeah and, and I think it's important for people to know that, hey, why are those things so expensive? Well, mm-hmm. there's computers in everything we do right now, right? I mean, you can't, yeah. I don't think, that, I'm sure my calculator is a computer, right? I mean, the, of course, obviously, but there's technology in that key fob that allows you to have that keyless entry when you open the door. All that has to be programmed. That takes. That's why right. that's so expensive. So to Susan's point, hey, having a be, having peace of mind, buying yourself peace of mind and a key replacement product is something that if you know you're prone to lose your keys, that's yeah. something you might want to think about because it could cost you $1,000 mm-hmm. out of pocket in addition versus paying for that and you know, baking that into your yeah. payment every month with a key replacement product.
3: And the coverage on those products is less than if you just have to replace them.
1: Oh man, I'm starting to get flashbacks to my worst dealership experience, which happened when I was just eight or nine years old. My dad wanted to buy an Isuzu Trooper and he made me wait in the dealership while he and the manager went back and forth for eight or nine hours. It was the longest day of my life. Okay, so how do you avoid being my dad? How are we going to make this process as quick and painless and affordable as possible? We've talked about being informed and prepared, but how much wiggle room is there really when it comes to the price?
4: So, I think that you know MSRP, the manufacturer suggested retail price. I'm gonna harp on the suggested part there, is because it is it does provide you an opportunity to negotiate just because that's what's suggested doesn't mean that that's what you have to pay for the vehicle. So I think that you know anytime you walk into a store and you're starting to work a deal, I would say anything is negotiable. And again, we we've already talked about being prepared, so you'll have an idea of what you can afford from a payment standpoint and what the car should cost overall. But I think that that's just a starting point to to open up dialogue and discuss with the dealer. So that's suggested for a good reason.
1: And it goes into the economics of
2: what we talked about earlier: where are you hot, where are you not hot? Demand and supply. You know, and also a lot of dealerships are changing their selling models because of what you talked about, that negative experience where you sit there all day long and you just feel exhausted by the end and you're starving. And, you know, we have dealers, some of our Lexus stores, they keep little plush animals and give them to the kids that come in so there's a more positive experience for that. Or we're actually rolling out, TFS in partnership with TMNA is rolling out a new program called SmartPath. And it's basically giving you the ability to buy a car from your iPad on your home couch so that when you do get to the dealership, it's just a quick sign. I mean, you've already negotiated everything, but a lot of that is going to be pricing that's set at the dealership level based on what they think the market area is, people are paying for the vehicle. So it is more of that one price option. And dealers are seeing a lot of success with that. So we think we're gonna have more and more dealers that adopt that technology. Um, But it's a really exciting way to buy a car when you have, again, all of the information at your fingertips. Like when you go to look at the new iPhone, you can go to the Apple store and look at the different options from the comfort of your couch and figure out what you want and then be empowered when you walk into the dealership to take delivery.
3: All right, hold up so i can shop for a car without getting off my couch we had to figure out more about this so we hopped on a call with our favorite returning guest jack hollis senior vice president automotive operations for toyota motor north america and tim bliss general manager retail transformation also at toyota motor north america so what's up with smart path and monogram jack
0: well today it's good to uh first of all be back with you you were silly enough to let me be on one time you're even sillier now i'm not so sure why but we'll do our best here and it's good to be on with tim bliss because tim has done a fantastic job of really taking the reins of smart path and monogram from joe moses who also did a fantastic job as we started this and so this partnership of looking at the dealerships is that like society everything has changed everything is changing right we're talking about the changing now of, of you know, stupid COVID, but that's changed everything. Before then, we were already knowing we had to change because, you know, customers are getting used to a the idea of a digital world where everything's at their fingertips on their mobile device or an iPad or whatever it might be. I would simply say is that nobody really believes that that is going to be the normal anymore. There are people, though. What's crazy is there's still people who do want that experience. Yeah, and they're going to still make that
3: happen for themselves. Yeah. And I love that we're giving people options, right? Because not everybody wants to buy a car in the same way. Some people really value going to the dealership and getting all those amenities, sitting on the nice couches, getting the coffees, all those things, you know, wheeling and dealing. But some people just, they don't want to do it at home first.
5: I mean, I think you guys nailed it on the head. From the very beginning, we needed this to be flexible because guests are all over the spectrum in regards to what they want out of buying a new vehicle. And the one thing we always have to keep in mind, and a lot of companies do this, we sometimes do this, is we put automotive retail in the same category as Amazon, put it in the same category of even Apple. But you think about how many times a customer really buys a new vehicle in their lifetime compared to how many times they're interacting with Amazon or how many times they're interacting with Apple buying a vehicle is a still a big event in someone's life. And we wanna keep it a special event. And so even as we add even more technology to it, how do we keep it special? How do we keep it flexible? Uh, because it needs to work not only for every type of consumer, but it needs to work for every type of dealer and also work for every type of nuance of every new vehicle transaction. And there are numerous nuances you know, that go in to a new vehicle purchase whether it be a Suzu trooper like Tyler and your family or I remember the time when I was at a Pontiac dealership with my dad pretty much maybe I think it was two days just to buy a Pontiac Grand Safari station wagon. Immensis Amazing. Occasion. There's so many nuances to it and that's where this is really the trick is where do we find that sweet spot with the technology to deliver that and we feel like we're on that path with path, the Monogram.
0: We actually started with a group of dealers that we called the Trailblazers these were top dealers from around the country who wanted to blaze trails in how we were going to change the entire process of, of buying and financing, even servicing a vehicle online. And we, we actually learned a lot from, if you go back to my time in Scion, we learned a lot about the guests at that time, what Scion customers were looking for, right? They were, wanted a completely different experience. And these trailblazers were willing to do that, right? They were willing to think through that. And so everything that we're going to talk about here today, it doesn't matter if it's Smart Path or Monogram, actually started with. The basis of this trailblazer group. And what's incredible is that they stayed with us the whole time, like not just those dealers, but more dealers. So what we're talking you about today is dealer driven, not company driven to say, you must do this. No, we went to the retail side and said, okay, how can we team to make this great? And so maybe more of the specifics I'll let Tim go with, but that's the background of how we got to the launching of the of SmartPath of Monogram.
5: Uh, Exactly. That's what's so great. I think the relationship we have with our dealers allows us to sometimes see things that are happening with the consumer before any study comes out, before any research paper comes out. And that just constant dialogue and relationship we have with the dealers, like Jack mentioned, is what really drove this. And they were seeing a shift in what consumers were looking for. And then they were asking us, hey, help us with the technology that's going to allow us to really bring this experience to life. As we really started to dive into this and dig into this and start building it out, I mean, what came through loud and clear, talking to the dealers, talking to guests, looking at research, was really three things that needed to, as we mentioned earlier, be about time. How do we make it more efficient? How do we build trust, not just in the product, but in the process and in the dealership and in the experience? And how do we make it more transparent? I mean, it was really those three T's that we focused on. And we built all of this
0: on. And that's what's really allowing this experience to come to life. And I would almost stop and ask, you know, reverse it on Tyler and Kelsey. Think about your shopping experiences that you're doing anytime. What is it that you want? You know, what is it that you want ultimately in any shopping experience? I'd ask you that. It's not rhetorical. What would you what what do you want? I don't care if it's for a car, but how about any shopping experience? What do you want?
3: I want to have what I want when I want it. And if I have to go into the store to pick it up, I want it to be in a little bag and I just want to leave.
1: I'm like Kelsey. I want exactly what I want and I want to be able to find it and I want it quickly. And I don't mind searching around for exactly what I want. I've done that, buying a car, right? Or looking for the car that I want. But, you know, I go to multiple dealership websites, maybe find the exact grade or something that I want and then I reach out.
0: And so ultimately what we're finding is there's nuances some people want to pick things up in a little bag have it all fully prepackaged other people want to spend a little bit more time on the shopping side but when they want to buy they want to slow down some people want to have a long time on the buying process short time of looking because they want to go to the buying process quickly because they're like I'm ready to go and they don't I don't need as much research time and well ultimately what we're trying which I which I'm really proud of the team on is we created this spectrum from the person who wants to do nothing online nothing zero just do all traditional or a hundred percent online and everything in between. Now you have that option. So every customer gets to choose what they want to do it the way they want to do it every time.
3: That's awesome. And I feel like a lot of people don't, I mean, what we're trying to do obviously is bring awareness to this. There's a general perception out there that, you know when you go to buy a car or when you go to a dealership that, you know everybody has a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, right? They're like, oh, I'm going in hot. I'm going to make a deal. I don't want the, I don't want the dealer to get me. Like I'm going to get, you know what I'm saying? Like everybody wants a deal on a car, right? It's a big purchase. And so I think giving this transparency upfront, if you go online, you look, you get a realistic idea in your head of what you're going for. Then when you go in there, the dealer knows, you know, you guys are starting on the same page. That way the relationship is being built from the jump.
5: Yeah. When you and walk it, in it, the I'm door. Probably- Right. No, absolutely. And we go one step further too, where the technology helps us on that front is in-store, as Jack was mentioning, we have a mobile sales tool. And one of the things, you know, we teach the dealers on how to really utilize that to the fullest is hand it to the guests. Let them actually sometime in-store start desking their own deals, start paying, playing around with the different payment options. And that almost immediately takes that on guard, Kelsey, that you were talking about, and almost yeah. just lightens that. And we've gotten so many verbatim from guests who said, "This is so much easier. This is just wow. I didn't expect it to be this simple." And every time we launch a new store, we usually get a video from the you know the first deal that the the dealer did with SmartPath, and you see these giant smiles, not just on the guest who bought their new car, but also the sales consultant who also realized, "Wow, that was extremely easy." thanks to that technology. And that's you
0: know, what we've been aiming for. The entire kind of scariness of buying a car, I think traditionally people, especially older, who are like, oh, I just don't know. And if I go there, what's gonna happen? And it takes us some of that away and says, no, all of it's to you, all of it's, if you, whether you're in the dealership or here, you could do it. And when I, talk, I keep talking about the word transparent, it's whatever you want. And I think we gotta remember that. That's what's cool. That's even why I like the name SmartPath in the sense when we started, it was like whatever path you want to take it's smart for you like whatever it's it's yours so take the smart path for you and i think that's what we end up getting out of all this this should become the norm it really should be and the dealerships who are using us already are saying this is just becoming it's very easy transition to this becoming the norm because it's just more efficient time is saved and everybody wins in this case
1: i really cannot wait until this is just the way that people buy cars. Now, let's get back to Susan and Tracy because we want to let you in on another little tip you might not know to save money when you're getting a new car. Leases are negotiable too.
2: Yeah, so with a lease, you know, you're still starting out with the what in the lease is called the capitalized cost of the vehicle, but it's still the selling price of the car. You're still starting with that same number whether you're leasing it or buying it. So, yeah, you can negotiate the selling price of that vehicle. The difference with leasing. And I'm also a big fan of leasing myself for the same reason. I like to turn over my cars pretty quickly. And I'm, I'm not one that's going to invest in a vehicle to hold it for 10 years. But you're, you know, you're taking the selling price of the vehicle and subtracting what the vehicle's estimated to be worth at the end of the lease when you turn it back in and then adding in that cost of the lease and whatever taxes for the area that you're in. And that's how lease payments calculated. But To your point, you start out again with the selling price of the vehicle as your your first point in a lease.
3: And one thing I want to mention, I grew up with the mentality, Tyler, like your husband, where like you need to own your car because then you won't have payments. I wish I would have educated myself more at 23, 24 about leases because I had negative equity with a car I couldn't afford instead of just signing up for a lease, knowing what my payments were for a set amount of time and then getting out of it, you know, like when you get a new car or whatever, it's like, yes, you may have a payment, but also if you never intend on keeping your car long enough to pay it off, don't do that.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. And you know, the flip side, leases aren't for everybody, you know, people that drive, you know, 50 miles each way to work, not a good idea to have a lease because you're going to have mileage limits on that car. Yeah. Yeah.
4: And a couple other tidbits on leasing, you know, one of the differences is is that, well, first of all, I'll actually go on this one. So as I look at my phone here as it buzzes, I I look at cars very similarly to like how I look at my iPhone. Every year, Apple launches a brand new iPhone with a new feature that I want. And a car, you're you're not turning it over every year necessarily. People do. Uh, You typically lease a car for three years. When three years, there's new technology right? Mm -hmm. Think of Apple CarPlay as as we pick on Apple here. Apple CarPlay is something that is newer in a lot of Toyota vehicles. Three years ago, that wasn't available on as many models. So, you know, I I get like, you know, gadget envy. I would want to go get the new technology when it becomes available. So I think leasing is very important in that regard and, and very valuable in that regard. The other area where I would say that it's valuable or that I think people should know about is... And when you have your your APR rate, right? You see your 0% for 60 months. That's a great rate. 0% doesn't cost you. You're not paying any interest on that vehicle. And that's fine. But say you do have an interest rate. Say you're paying 3%, and you're going to pay 3% over the life of that loan, typically 60 months. On a lease, you have what's called a rent charge factor. And it's called rent charge factor because you're only paying for that portion of the car that you're really using, right? So it's a great way to just, one, control your payment. Especially if you're one that likes new technology, it's a perfect coupling with that. But you're only paying for the part of the car that you're actually using versus, hey, look, you, don't, you might sign a 16-month contract, but you may only own that car for four years, 48 months out of that and have a payoff at the end of that, right? So just some, <laughs> some of those things are good to consider before going in.
3: All right. So up to this point, we've mostly talked about purchasing new cars. But we know that people have different budgets and goals, and not everyone is looking for the newest model. So we had to ask Susan and Tracy about used vehicles and the difference between a used vehicle and a certified pre-owned vehicle.
4: Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. So a certified pre-owned vehicle is gonna be a vehicle that has gone through a rigorous inspection before making it out on the lot. And that's not to say that a traditional used car doesn't have that same rigorous inspection, but with a certified used car, all of the OEM manufacturers uh, have very strict guidelines in which the dealers have to ensure that the vehicle's up to from a specification, you know, or, or does it have good brakes? Does it have good tires? All of those types of things. And, and when we do that, this goes in that peace of mind column again. To go with that, we do provide a, a warranty to go with that vehicle because it has gone through that rigorous inspection. So
0: mm-hmm.
4: if you're going to buy, you're going to pay a little bit more for it, and again, this goes to peace of mind and personal uh, risk tolerance, as Susan puts it. I love that. It goes into your risk tolerance of, hey, do I want to pay a little bit extra for the peace of mind knowing that this vehicle has been through a great inspection and that it's backed by a manufacturer's uh, warranty on the back end of that, too, to, to sure up that inspection? So that's really the difference. It's gone through a rigorous inspection, It's and we support it with a warranty versus a used car is you buyer beware essentially
1: so let's talk about tfs for a second i've taken all the tips from earlier i've done my homework i know what car i want i know my credit score i know the msrp of the vehicle is there information on getting pre-approved from tfs for a loan do i have to go with tfs can i come with my own bank
2: or credit union what's the deal so So yeah, absolutely. You can get pre-qualified through TFS, through toyota.com. When you build your vehicle, you can request that that pre-approval, and that's going to come through TFS because obviously we're the partner with Toyota Motor North America as the captive finance company. There are lots of benefits to using TFS. We are extremely customer-centric. You have people that, you know, we have helped build this company for many, many years, and we're very proud of what we do we always put our customers first and we're constantly listening to the customers to figure out how to make our services better we have the the relationship with toyota with the manufacturing company so that we are one team one toyota group that comes together and you know you really get the backing of toyota when you do finance with tfs
3: yeah. And I guess the the difference then there is because when you could go through a bank, any bank that's out there that can finance your car, but mm-hmm. they don't have that direct connection to the manufacturer like TFS does. So if, I mean, just yeah, generally you can think of TFS as a bank, like any other bank that's out there. It's just catered specifically to automotive.
2: No, I, I absolutely was going to say that. You know, you do have choices. A lot of times, any of those incentive offers that you're going to see, like the zero percent financing or the 1.9, that's all TFS. You're not going to be able to get that with a regular bank. Mm.
4: Yeah, and that that was one of the points I was going to bring up. Is that right there? You'll get. A, you can get very competitive rates, but those very best rates, that zero percent, that 1.9, you're not going to get with another uh, lender necessarily. It's possible, but it's not typical. But one of the other things I would say is is really important. To, and one of the things to think about with going with a captive is you. when the pandemic hit, because we are a full servicing bank, we were able to step up and do some tremendous things to take care of and look out for our customers. Things, especially on the lease side, lease deferrals, we were able to take some you know, liberties and just you know, defer people's leases and have some flexibility is the right word to say with customers when the pandemic hit. And again, not to say you can't get those things with other banks, but I think that's one of those special things about working with a captive, particularly TFS, is that we are full service. We do have that service center that Susan spoke about earlier that is making outbound phone calls to reach out to you. Not only do we do those referrals during the pandemic, but we made outbound phone calls to customers to reach out to them. We had a campaign to, to touch base with our customers. I don't know that you get that same type of attention with other banks.
3: Mm -hmm. Okay. We've talked a lot about how we can save you time and money, but there's something really important that we failed to mention so far.
4: Have fun. And maybe that's just because I'm a car guy and I've been around the industry my whole life. But when you really think about it, buying a car is the second biggest investment next to buying a house or sending your kids to school that you'll ever make. Have fun. Fun with it. Cars are cool, especially yeah. now with all of the technology that's in it. I referenced Apple CarPlay earlier. That's something I personally geek out on because I love plugging my phone in and boom, there go- comes my map. But I d- just have fun, enjoy it. It can be stressful. It can take a long time, uh, whether it's you know a long time on the research end or at the dealership buying the car. Forget about all that. Just have fun. Enjoy the car. Drive the car. Rip it up. Have fun. So that's my rip advice. Not, not tear okay. it up, but like get <laughs> after it. <like laughs> drive the car. Yeah. Have fun with the yeah. car. Not the car, yeah. truly tear the car up.
3: <laughs> I mean, you're going to spend a lot of time in a car, whether you keep it for two yeah. years or 10 or forever. You know, driving, you know, takes time. and You're going to spend time and you got to love it. So
2: that car like, a member of your family. Like yeah. most of us name our vehicles. So, yeah, make sure you love it but just make sure you get that tire and
1: wheel coverage that Kelsey didn't. Thanks for listening to Toyota Untold. This is Tyler.
3: And this is Kelsey.
1: And now you have all the info you need when you walk into that dealership.
3: This podcast is brought to you by Toyota Motor Sales, USA Incorporated and may not be reproduced or redistributed in whole or in part without prior permission of Toyota. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guests and our hosts and do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of Toyota. Please note that Toyota is not responsible for any errors or the accuracy or timeliness of the content provided. Use with permission, all rights reserved worldwide.